I'm really pumped to preach tonight. Like, I'm like proper jacked up. It's, it's good. So, I, if you're joining us online, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, for taking the time out. Um, if my wife and kids are watching, go to bed. I love you. It's amazing. Thank you. All right. Uh, all right. If you have your Bibles, now we're getting into it. Ephesians 2, chapter 10 says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.22 might not be on the screen, but it says this, in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says this, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let us have the, let, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In his own image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then lastly, Ezekiel chapter 46, verse nine, it says this, when the people of the land came together before the Lord at the appointed festivals, whoever entered by the north gate to worship is to go out by the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate is to go out by the north gate. Get this, no one is to return through the gate in which they entered, but each is to go out the opposite gate. We're in this current theme at the moment called soul renovations. And um, this is just us taking the opportunity to look internally at this inner world within us. Um, and, and you might not see this, but the scribble around the imagery there is actually a quote by C.S. Lewis. And it says this, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You know that those jobs need, uh, needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting an extra floor on, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. And so that, that, that verse in Ephesians is really the scriptural basis for a quote like that. We're going, we are the indwelling, uh, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the very living God of all things chooses to live in us. And so when, when we look at this idea of soul renovations, we're looking at this intersection between spirit and flesh. That, that's what the soul is. The, the soul is the, the, the mind, will, and the emotions, but it's this, this crossover. I nearly decided, I, I was going to bring like a whiteboard up, but then I was like, nah, that's too internshipy. Um, but if you want me to do whiteboard exercises, do the internship next year. Um, but it's, it's this... <laughs> it's, this, it's this idea that you have this circle that's like the flesh and this circle that's spirit and the crossover between the two circles or that overlapping thing, that's the soul area. That's where God gets in and has his way and that's where we as human fleshly beings get to interact with the spirit level. And so what, what does it look like to renovate our souls? You see, the effort, essence of a person is not in their genetic code. It's not in their physiology. It's not in uh, anything about our bodies. The essence of a person is in their soul. And so when we renovate the soul, we, we change the essence of who we are. 
And we can do that in a way that can um, destroy our lives, or we can do that in a way that builds our lives. And we, or, or that can be done to us in either of those same categories. The big idea I have for you tonight is this. Different aspects of becoming more and more like Jesus require different tools, and sometimes there's some things that only God can do. Let me see if I remember how to use this bad boy. All right. <laughs> it's a little big. I'm not going to lie. It's Brandon's. No, I'm not going to do it up. So the big idea is this. Different aspects of becoming like Jesus require different tools. Ephesians 2.10, we read it earlier, says this. It, we are his workmanship, yeah. created. You, can, you get the imagery that this scripture is trying to Put before us. How do I work this bad boy? Oh, it's clipped in. It's like child lock. <laughs> Different tools. Workmanship. There's this imagery of God getting down and going, yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right, I've got this idea. I'm going to call it a Campbell. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it like this. I'm going to need some power. <laughs> Man, putting these back on. And, anyway, all right. Let's keep moving. All right, so the, the title of my message, if you're taking notes because you're all great notes, Tatakas, is called Tools of the Trade. Let's pray. Father God, let's have some fun. Help me tonight to deliver this message in a way that sees people transformed to be more like Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Oh my gosh, I only have 18 minutes. All right, here we go. Um, I actually did an apprenticeship. Funnily enough, they allowed me to use tools. Um, <laughs> And it was encouraged. Uh, you laugh, but I actually did shoot myself with a nail gun. Um, it's <laughs> another story for another time. But um, I remember starting my apprenticeship, and um, the, the Australian government at the time was like, you know, for every new apprentice that starts, we'll give you like a big lump sum cash, not cash, but uh, amount of money, and, and then you get to go out and buy the tools that you need to do your trade. And so I'm like, fantastic. They're like, here's 1,200 bucks. I was like, Awesome, and then they like go to Bunnings, go to Trade Tools, go wherever you want, wherever you need to do it. So I'm like, I'm like, I don't, maybe it's just a dude thing, but I'm like a flipping kid in a candy store. I'm like, you mean I can buy a nail gun? This is legal. This is a loaded weapon. Yes, I'll have that one. <laughs> you know, like this is amazing. And uh, and I remember getting my tools, and then I, I went to the work, I went to my workplace, and my supervisor's like checking all my stuff, and he's like you know, looking over the different things I purchased, and he's looking, you know, he's like, oh, let me check your hammer. He's like, yeah, oh, good, you got a left-handed one. You know, like, that, that's a joke. They're just, anyway. Um, he's like, oh, did they take the Wii out of it? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, did they take the Wii out of your hammer? And I was just like, oh, like, I'm like 17, 18 years old. I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, like, I'm like, no, I don't think so. I just, like, purchased it, and they're like, yeah, do you want me to take the Wii out of it? And I was just, I was like, is that something you have to do? And he's like, yeah, every hammer needs to take the Wii out of it. It's just a manufacturing thing. I was just like, oh, okay, like, yeah, sure, take the Wii out of my hammer. He's like, oh, okay, ready? One, two, three. Woof! Wee! And just launched my hammer down the job site. And I was like, awesome. He's just like, yeah, pick up the grinder sparks on your way out. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, that's, like, but this is this thing about tools is you actually learn to enjoy the weight and the, the feel of your own tools. You know, different parts of renovating work requires different tools. Some, some renovating work you can do with hand tools. 
hammer, nails, little fixer-upper. In this category, I'm very proficient. Not boasting, I'm just saying I'm, I'm mean with a hammer. Okay, we bought a, we bought a little like, cupboard thing for our garage the other day and I noticed it was a little bit crooked and I had a bit of spare time, so I was like, you know, a bit of screws and a bit of nails and, you know, looks good. Uh, other, other work requires something a little bit more heavy duty, you know, power, a little bit of battery, power, um, all electrical power, whatever you want, power tools. And then there's other work that requires like, and I, man, I was going to have a jackhammer up here, um, but they wouldn't let me use it. So we need different tools for different type of work. And, and this is the idea, right, is that God isn't limited by anything. Right? And he can do a lot. He can do anything he chooses to. But, like, I mean, in the soul renovation side of things, he could just come in and just totally change your life. Like that. And he's done it before. He's, it's not um, uncommon, but it's also not super common. I don't want to say it's the exception to the rule. It's really at God's discretion. He chooses what he does in the individual lives of those who submit themselves to him. And yet more often than not, I find God chooses to work with us in the soul renovation process. In fact, it's, it's a little bit like this, that as much as we'd love God just to snap his fingers, genie in a bottle, you know, Will Smith pops up and, you know, sings a little song and all of a sudden we're changed. More often than not, God uses the circumstances of our life the, the highs and the lows, to mold us and shape us and renovate our lives from the inside out. Uh, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he brings life to our soul and our spirit. And instantaneously, we become a new creation. And immediately, the Holy Spirit begins making us into a new creation. Don't miss that. In one moment, we become a new creation, and in the same moment, the Holy Spirit becomes making us a new creation. It's this process called sanctification, and it's the main, one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is that, that you, I mean, you accept Jesus into your life, bang, you are seated in heavenly places, you have the mind of Christ, you are a new creation. And yet at the same time, you are being renewed in your mind, the Bible says in Romans that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And at the same time, we have to outwork and walk out this, this idea of being moved and changed and developed to become more like Christ. Romans talks about this, and we'll get that in a little bit moment. The, the whole idea is that every single person who is a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ would be conformed to the image of Christ, that we would be made like Jesus. And, and, and let me paint this picture for a second for you. If Imagine for a moment, revival breaks out over the globe and all 7.9 or wherever we're up to in the head count on the earth is it, everyone becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen, hallelujah, this is great, right? And, and we're all sitting there and, and we're all then becoming in this process of sanctification to become more like Christ. Did you know there would still be 7.9 billion uniquely different, interesting, intriguing uh, people on the earth. It's not like becoming more like Christ means we all become like robots. You know, it's not like one of us. You know, it's not, it's not like that. <laughs> like, I, I'm becoming more and more like Christ. I have been since the age of six. God just needed more work time on me. Okay, <laughs> it's just like, uh, I need you to get to know me soon, like really early, and I'll just work longer on you. You're, you're my overtime project, okay? Uh, whereas people like Savannah and Grace, they've been knowing Christ for like, a month, and they're all like crushing it already. I'm like, good for you, bravo, well done. Um, 
But in the same process, right, we're still very, very different. We're still like, it's not like I'm becoming more like Savannah or Savannah's becoming more like Dan. It's, no, it's, we're, actually becoming, <laughs> we're actually becoming more like Jesus. And our God is so big, so huge, so enormous that if all 7.9 billion people on the earth were becoming like Jesus, we would all still be so uniquely and intriguingly different because of the enormity of our God. And so we're all supposed to be becoming like Jesus. We're all supposed to be being transformed into his likeness. Yes, uh, you know, um, therefore it's imperative that we know the tools that we are to work with when we're working with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so because we can either work with him or we can work against him. That's important, right? We're in this process. Romans 8.29 says this, for those who God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Listen to it in the message version. It says this, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the onset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines of the life of his son. The son stands first in a line of humanity he restored and we see the original intended shape of our lives there in him. Our journey of faith, it doesn't deny our humanity. Okay, it, 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 we see this in Jesus. He was fully God and fully human. Okay, so this process of a soul renovation is not just dealing with this ethereal inner world. Or, and, and listen, if you want a really practical message, just listen to Pastor Carolina's message this morning on, on rhythms and, and the unforced rhythms of grace. The soul can be practically outworked in regards to his change. But, it, but there's a part of it that's a spiritual aspect and there's a part of it that's a practical aspect, a human aspect. We don't deny one or the other. In this soul renovation process, we don't deny that, okay? Faith and reason can go together in the sanctification process. God never said, pick your mind out the moment you start believing in me. He said, think, use your mind. But like, I've, I've been intrigued as I've studied, you know, like I came to church, uh, I came to Christ as a young dude at six and like got raised up in Pentecostalism and, you know, it was experience after experience, shakadabundi after shakadabundi, you know, like lay, you know, like it's like, it's, it's gnarly, it's crazy. Like, you know, there's nothing like being a seven-year-old and watching adults just like fall like flies as someone walks across the line just going, and it's like, like that's all, I'm like, this is normal. And other people are like, this is crazy. And I, but I knew no different, right? But then as I begin to study theology and I begin to engage the mental faculties of my life, I go, oh, I can actually have a brain and follow Christ at the same time. So all of us can do that, okay? Uh, there's not one part of the Bible that says you're supposed to just blindly follow Jesus. There's a bunch of things that say question, use your mind, think about these things, be renewed in the, in the transformation, the thinking, re, re, in that, be renewed in that area, okay? So we don't, we don't brush aside our proclivity towards human solutions, nor do we, uh, nor the fact that we have a flesh that needs tending to, okay? So what I'm trying to give us the idea here is that it's, it's a both and process, okay? It's us and the Holy Spirit. It's not just solely spiritual and it's not just solely natural, okay? And if need be, there are some tools you can use to help your soul get renovated. These include um, being part of a life group, okay? This is a soul renovation process. When you get into a life group, you actually intermingle with people who are growing in their faith. 
and you get to present ideas, and you get to bring questions, and you get to hear different teaching, you get to, uh, down, you get to you know, unpack what was preached on a Sunday, or go through the curriculum that we have, and you get to test these ideas and nut them out in a, in a small group type setting where you can ask the questions and you can find the answers. That's a soul renovation process. Or, or maybe you need a little bit more intense. Maybe you need a personal accountability with a pastor or a leader or a life group leader, and it's a little bit more one-on-one, a little bit more pastoral care orientated. Maybe you need counseling and therapy. Maybe you need a psychologist and a, uh, or, or psychiatrist. Can I be, can I be honest? I, I, I've gone there. I've, seen, I've gotten help, professional help. I've gone to a Christian version of that. I haven't just like picked someone out of there because I, I want that Christian perspective and that, that spiritual understanding still. But when necessary, I've used these tools to help renovate my soul. Maybe you need, in a relational aspect, you need marriage counseling. Sarah and I, we see a marriage counselor. Not because things are bad, although sometimes. <laughs> the bruises, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> she's Italian and she's five foot, but she'll get you. Um, but but you, do you get your car serviced only when it breaks down? No, you, you get your car serviced. It's like, you know, I took my car in the other day. Mitch dropped me off twice, actually. Mitch has helped me out. He's, just, he's like, what's wrong with the car? I'm like, oh, it's just getting a service. Sometimes your soul just needs a service. And sometimes you just need someone to be able to chat to, to go, hey, um, is this all right? I'm thinking along things along these lines these days, right? And, and that's okay. Sometimes you, you need medication. And I'm not encouraging you to do all of these things or anything. I'm just saying these are some of the tools that we have for the soul renovation of our life. And then sometimes there are just some things that only God can do. Sometimes you just need to get in the presence of God. Sometimes you just need to get the anointing upon your life. Oh, I feel the anointing right now. And this is sometimes you just need to come before God and say, God, only you can do this. God, only you can break this on my life. I've tried this. I've done everything that I know possibly human to do. But God, you need to break this addiction off my life. God, you need to, ru- you need to ruin these thought processes in my life. God, you need to address this self-image issue that I have in my life. Whatever it is, you just need to get in the presence of God and let God do a renovation of your soul. And so tonight, I want to focus on that. That we come into that aspect. I can't speak into all those different things, but I can speak into the aspect of coming under the anointing of God. I can come into. I can speak into the fact that when when we get changed by God, when we come into His presence, He changes us. And maybe you're sitting here today, and you've tried a bunch of things. Maybe you've tried a bunch of religions. Can I tell you that Christianity is the the one religion that says, you know what, our God is still alive. Our God, he went to the cross, he died, but he rose again that third day and he's alive today and the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives in us. We believe in a life-giving, life-changing, all-to-your-life type of God. In Galatians, Paul's addressing the Galatian church and he says, hey guys, why are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? In other words, what he's saying is there, there, there's some things that begin in the Spirit and need to be continued on in the Spirit. Philippians, Paul again is addressing the church in Philippi. He says, hey, guys, being confident there's this very thing that what God began in you, he will see unto completion. So we can come into this place of going, I, I, I'm doing all I can do. I'm reading books, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm seeing a therapist, whatever it looks like. But God, there's some things that you're going to start and that you're going to finish in my life. Tonight, uh, please, I want you to know that my focus in this regard is not to diminish all the other things 
that I, I said before, okay? I, I speak of those things highly. I've had them outworked in my own life, okay? It, it's worth noting, however, that the church is the only entity on earth that, that God ordained, chose, and specifically gave His Spirit to, to outwork through all humanity. So you can get counseling and you can do all that type of thing, but it's the church of God that houses the Spirit of God, the people of God that house the Spirit of God to minister to a world that needs that same Spirit. We need a touch of God. We need His anointing. The premise of a soul renovation is built upon three assumptions. One, you're not perfect. You're not finished. You're not done yet which for some of you is bad news and for some of you is good news. Some of you are like, ah, dang, I'm not perfect. Others of you are like, oh, great, he's not finished yet. The second thing is this. The work done in our inner world moves out into our outer world. And it doesn't work the other way around. Because you can do a whole bunch of work on your outer world and it'll change nothing on your inner world. But you can begin to do the, the, the dark work, the inside work, the hidden work of the soul. And, and in months, years, decades, what will be seen is a totally different transformed person. And the third thing is this, you're worth the investment of a renovation. And when I, when I got that last one by, from God, I, I got this imagery of, of renovating is actually expensive work. I've never renovated a house, but I, I've helped Sam renovate plenty of houses. Um, you laugh, but I've painted more of his houses than I've painted anything in my own house ever. Um, uh, yeah, cans of Coke, it was fantastic. Um, I, I know the investment that it took financially, emotionally, time-wise. Like, we'd spend days sometimes at Sam's house or at the church renovating different things. And, and, and it's costly in more ways than just finances. And you might be sitting here tonight and you're like, you know what, Dan, I don't even know if I'm worth a renovation. You know what, to God you are. You're worth a renovation. But there's some things that, that are, are renovated and changed and you alter things and, you, you know, you move a door or you take out a wall. And there are some things that just get demolished. I remember doing my apprenticeship again and I was like, you know, like I'm so green. I was like, never been on tools. I had no concept of construction. I was just like, this is a great idea. And I was like, his, the, the supervisor was telling me to like break down something. I don't remember what it was specifically, but I remember what he said to me because I was working on it for about an hour and he comes back and I've like done this little bit and in construction times money. And so he was just like, buddy, what are you doing? In not so nice terms. Um, and I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm breaking it down. He's like, Matt, you don't have to be pretty with it. It's demolition. Just get into it. And I, 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 that story came back to me as I was listening to God and preparing this message. And, and God told me this. Some of you need to not renovate what needs to be detonated. Some of you need to stop trying to renovate this area of your life that God's actually just trying to remove altogether. It, do, it doesn't have to be pretty. It's demolition. Just get it out. Just get on with it, deal with it, move forward. Because you're worth it. Because you're worth God of the universe sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to say, you know what? The investment of renovating your life is worth it. 
When we come to following Jesus Christ, this process of a soul renovation isn't always pretty. It's not always hunky-dory, sit with Jesus and he strokes your hair and braids it and makes you feel like a... So, you, know what, you know what the Bible describes it like? A potter and clay. It's hands in, it's messy and it's uncomfortable and he's touching you in places that's just like, oh, you wanna to touch that thing? That's my secret sin, God. I was trying to like leave that undetected. Oh, you wanna to touch that part of that offense? No, I like hanging on to that. It's actually now part of my identity. And God's like, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna massage that out. I'm gonna move that along. I'm gonna, you know what else it describes it like in the Bible? Seed and growing. Like a dig hole, a deep hole. And he puts you in it and he covers you up and no one can see you, no one can hear you. It's dark and it's cold and it's, and it's uncomfortable. It's claustrophobic and it's things all around me. And I, but, but roots start to go down and you start to break out of the shell and it's, it's like, Get me out of here! You know what else the Bible describes it like? A gardener and pruning. Like just big secateurs. <laughs> but God, I liked that limb. He goes, yeah, but I want you to bear more fruit. But God, that one was bearing fruit. Yeah, but I want more fruit. But that one, that's dead. We need to, we need to get rid of that. But that one, I, I know this, this one's, ooh, this one's going to be uncomfortable. But, uh, bye. <laughs> we, it's always up to us to continue to submit to this process, but trust me, the process is worth it. And the last thing the Bible describes it like is a refiner and fire. And that's just hot. Very, 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 very hot where you're sitting in the heat of his love and the heat of his mercy and the heat of his grace and you sit there and as he begins to, 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 to melt you down as a person and you stay in that place until the stuff that's inside of you begins to bubble up to the top and, and then he scoops it off and then he raises the heat again and more stuff comes to the surface and, and he scoops that off and more stuff comes, more heat, more stuff, more heat, more stuff until this process. And you're like, God, when's it gonna be done? And he goes, when I can see my reflection in you. Yeah. That's when I know the process is done. 